Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tectonic. My name is Mark Hurst. I will be your host for the next hour here on WFMU Freeform Station of the Nation, live from downtown Jersey City in the great state of New Jersey. It is a real honor to be with you this evening, the fifth anniversary of the first episode of Tectonic back in 2017. Actually, the, technically it was uh, the fifth anniversary was yesterday, but we're going to call it uh, five years today since today is the Monday closest to that anniversary. It has been quite a ride and uh, what a, a privilege and an honor it has been for me and continues to be for me to be part of this amazing and unique and creative and uh, really special community. And um, this is also uh, the first day, really, of the new long season from fall 2022 uh, through, uh, I believe it's early June of 2023. That's the long season we've got here at WFMU that lasts nine months. And so um, uh, since I'm talking to you now, it indicates that uh, Tectonic is going to remain in its slot uh, for the next nine months on Mondays from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Although you can listen to this show anytime you want, uh, you can go to WFMU.org and go into the archives. All of the shows are there. You can also go to the one-page website at tectonic.fm, T-E-C-H, tonic.fm, and you can go into those same archives with uh, slightly differently formatted links, but it's basically the same idea as the archives on the WFMU site. So this evening, uh, we are going to be doing something special. I wanted to mark five years of this, of this project, this tectonic project that I'm so happy to be part of by asking you, the listeners, to help me build the show. Uh, I have not done a, a, a milestone show like this since the, I think I did one for the one-year anniversary four years ago. I was just so, um, <laughs> I, was, I was so euphoric that I made it through a year. <laughs> um, and, and then for years two, three, and four, I didn't, I, I think I mentioned it, but I didn't do anything. But I thought at year five, uh, this, this is a significant year, a significant, significant milestone of, of a half decade. And uh, this, counting this show, um, this is show number 241 that I have hosted. I've also been um, very privileged to have some great guest hosts, including station manager Ken Friedman and DJ Scott Williams a couple of, couple of weeks ago, knocked it out of the park with his guest hosting and uh, a number of other great guest hosts over the years, but just my episodes that I have hosted, by my count, number as of uh, this evening, 241, there have also been uh, dozens of books that I have covered and, uh, and over 200 guests. There have been some shows without a guest, but most of them have had a guest. So those are some of the numbers, five years, 200 plus guests, and uh, 241 episodes. And so in order to mark this moment, before we get back to our regular uh, interview format next week, I'm, I, I'm planning a, an interesting interview for, for next week's show, I asked you, the listeners, to email me with a favorite of yours over the past five years. It could be any year, could be any episode, and it, and it, it could be a favorite guest or a favorite theme or a favorite book, or a favorite episode, could be anything. And uh, a number of you did write in, some just uh, over text, some text emails only, and some included an audio message, which I'll be playing those as well. So thanks to all the listeners who contributed. My idea was I wanted this to be your choices for what I would play this evening, rather than my choices. Although I am, I am reserving one slot for my own choice <laughs> later in the show. But why don't we get started? Uh, oh, and, and I should say, by the way, if you want to join in the live listener chat, 
you can go to wfmu.org and click the link on the homepage that says playlist and comments. And if you've never done this before and you're listening live, uh, why don't you give it a shot? You don't have to sign up and, and create an account. You can just you can comment anonymously if you want. Uh, just go to wfmu.org, click playlist and comments, and just say hi to the other listeners. I am not chatting yet because it is very difficult to chat on the chat board while I am talking on mic. But maybe I'll get a chance to say something on the chat board later. So that, that's where the uh, comment board is. And you can also see some special images that I have posted for your amusement, as always, on the playlist. Okay, why don't we get started? I want to start with an email that I got from a uh, longtime listener, Alex in Brooklyn. Thanks, Alex, for writing in. Alex writes, and again, th th this is Alex's answer to, to my um, invitation for listeners to send in a favorite of some sort over the past five years. Alex writes, the book-centric shows are the most educational and thought-provoking, but I've valued, above all, conversations with the creators of good, quote-unquote, good tech whose companies or products are inspiring positive change. Those shows uh, and your tectonic booklet, that was one of the, the WFMU premiums that I did one year, a little printed booklet of tips. Those have provided some great actionable steps towards supporting causes and businesses. Uh, thank you, Alex. And I'm, I'm so glad that the show has been helpful. One of my main goals at, uh, on Tectonic has been to spotlight people and organizations that are uh, affecting positive change. Do, they're, they're showing that there is an alternative to the big tech toxic model out there. You can do good things with technology. And uh, Alex uh, suggested three shows as examples of that. And I have little, little brief clips of each one of them. Why don't we start with a clip from, uh, this is a, the November 4, 2019 show. I had two of the organizers of something called NYC Mesh. This is a mesh network. I've talked about it a bunch of times on the show that delivers high-speed internet access through point-to-point -point satellite dishes, well, dishes, I'm not using the right terms, but basically on the roof, there are these little dishes across uh, different Brooklyn neighborhoods that have line-of-sight access to each other, and they create a mesh that uh, then cr that offers um, low-cost, high-speed internet access that does not involve the, the duopoly of Verizon and, and Charter and w whatever each neighborhood has. Why don't we listen to Scott Rasmussen and Jillian Murphy from that November 4, 2019 show talking about NYC Mesh. What does it mean for someone who is signed on with NYC Mesh rather than, let's say, Verizon or Optimum? What, is, what does that mean? Essentially, it just means you're joining a community of neighbors, residents, others in New York City to be able to um, come together to be your own internet service provider in many ways. Um, we don't really like to use the word internet service providers um, in our community. We think of ourselves as a community network, but really believe that networks are formed when people come together in, in communities and seek to provide each other essential services or other sorts of support mechanisms. And we try to do that at NYC Mesh by procuring access to the internet, which uh, these days, as you know, is one of the most fundamental sort of utilities in our day and age. How is NYC Mesh positioned to deliver something that's more like an actual utility than a, than a corporate service? Um, well, just funny, when you were talking about Lyft, uh, I was thinking like, oh, what, are you going to take a taxi or something? Because um, we have gone in this direction of privatization of all these utilities that we do need. The internet kind of got swept under the rug for maybe 20 or 30 years, and it was kind of uh, this little side project that was going to happen, and now cities are realizing that uh, they don't have really great infrastructure, at least over the last 15 years. I think it, cities haven't really been taking it all that seriously. So now we're really stuck with to maybe in some areas of New York City, you're lucky to have four different providers, but usually it's more around the one or two selections, and it's become a monopoly in the city. They can charge whatever they want, they can give whatever speeds they want, uh, and they don't have to, uh, they can read your traffic. So it's, we really don't have much freedom. 
Okay, so you sign up. These a team of volunteers shows uh, shows up, and then they they put the installation on the roof, and then that connects to other rooftop installations that event, and that's the that's the mesh idea. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, and so Scott, that's what you were saying before about neighbors actually relying on one another, right? Because everyone is a node in the mesh of NYC Mesh. What does that mean for the resilience of the network? If one of the nodes goes down, if lightning hits one of the buildings, what happens to the internet access to the mesh? Sure. That actually, in many ways, it makes you a lot more resilient. Um, and that's kind of the theory behind mesh networks and why there's been a real turn and in interest in that. Um, it, your node is likely not just connected with one neighbor, but likely connected with many. So if an issue occurs in one direction of your traffic, then you can find your way out. Your traffic can find its way out through another means. And that was uh, NYC Mesh volunteers Scott Rasmussen and Jillian Murphy talking about how NYC Mesh works, how it's installed, and why it's important to have an alternative uh, that is resilient and, um, and, and, and non-surveilling as a choice that people have not to use something like a Verizon or an Optimum. Uh, let's go to the next clip that Alex in Brooklyn pointed out, or, or rather a clip that I have chosen from the show that he pointed to. This is uh, June 15, 2020. I had Jason Freed, co-founder of Basecamp, talking about launching a new email service called Hey.com. Uh, once again, this is to Alex in Brooklyn's point that he appreciates when Tectonic has spotlighted alternative tools and platforms not made by big tech companies. And uh, this email service called Hey uh, is a good example. So here is Jason Freed from June 15, 2020 on Tectonic. Someone can send you an email today. And by the simple act of opening that email, the person who sent it to you can learn, first of all, whether or not you opened it or not, how many times you opened it, how often you read it, how long you spent reading it, what kind of computer or phone you had. I mean, maybe both if you've opened it in two different places. They can also get your IP address, which can reveal some physical location information. All of that by simply opening an email and you as the person who opened it has no idea whatsoever that they've just learned all of that about you and you also have no control over that. To me, that should be illegal, but it's not today and no one even knows it's happening. I mean, some people do but most do not, absolutely most do not. And they'd be shocked to find out that it's, it's pervasive and widespread. So with Hey, if you use Hey to read your email, we will block, it's probably 98% of people who are tracking you right now. It's impossible to be 100%, but we're trying to get as close as we can. From, from them, you can read the email, but they will never know that you read it. They'll never get any personal identifying information. We're even proxying all the images. So they will get an IP address, but it will be our IP address and not yours, kind of like a VPN might work. So, you know, we're doing the best we possibly can to make sure that there's no surveillance, certainly none, zero by us, and also as little as possible by anybody else. And it's just a really important thing for us to do. Okay, so that was Jason Freed uh, from Hey.com talking about how, uh, why it's so important to have an email service that does not or that, that, that strips out uh, the surveillance that is endemic to emails these days. Surveillance has been a, let's say, a primary topic or theme of Tectonic over the last 240 episodes, and for good reason. Um, most of the business models in Silicon Valley seem to be uh, built on this idea that companies will gain as much information, private um, information on you as they can uh, without your knowledge or consent and without any, any uh, opportunity for appeal for, for you, the citizen, to ask them to stop doing it or to delete what they have. Um, and so naturally there are companies that have brought about, companies and, and individuals who've, who've tried to launch products to do something about that problem. And in addition to Jason Freed, um, another individual who I had on the show who's trying to do something about it is a guy named Scott Urban, who, is, who start, started his career as an eyeglass, as eyeglass frame designer. He'd make these beautiful hand-built frames. Um, and then he launched something called Reflecticles, 
Longtime listeners will remember this, so these special uh, anti-surveillance glasses that do not allow infrared scanning to occur on your pupils. Um, it, it, blocks, it blocks those, uh, th those wavelengths. And on the Tectonic Show from June 24, 2019, Scott Urban walked us through how reflecticals work. This is uh, the third show that Alex in Brooklyn was recommending to us. And I have a little clip from uh, Scott Urban from that show, June 24, 2019, talking about reflecticals. And I think we're coming to a place where to consider one's own privacy is not considered a negative thing. It's actually just going to be part of our lives as we go on. And do we want it? I mean, the old, I don't care. I got nothing to hide. No, nope. you know, that that's kind of, that was pushed on people and they adopted it. My main thing is when corporations start getting into it, I'm, I'm actually less concerned about government surveillance than I am corporate surveillance because I've, I've met quite a few people who, who have clearances and I'm like, all right, go ahead, man. Then what I think is more interesting is how corporations are basically going to use people as data mining and just every single interaction that a person has with a product or even just walking down the street will reflect their you know information on a, a particular individual and that will allow them to either sell something or perpetuate something that's um, making you want to keep on being closed up in this system of continually buying something or being tracked or, you know, it, and, and to me, I, I don't know the end game of what they're playing on this, but they're certainly going in a direction where they want to know everything about you at all times. And I would like to opt out of that system. I would like to opt out of that system, Scott Urban says, and I have to um, agree with Scott. I'd like to opt out of that as well. Um, unfortunately, the misbehavior from Silicon Valley is not limited to unwarranted uh, opaque surveillance on all of us. Occasionally, it goes into outright criminal activity, and I've covered a number of these criminal incidents in the past. Uh, many to most of the incidents of criminal behavior that I have observed and some of which I've talked about on the show have gone without any kind of punishment. I mean, how many Silicon Valley executives have you seen uh, in handcuffs being, being marched off to jail? Uh, not many. I would say it's probably zero. And I've covered multiple times a uh, number of observers one or two of whom are in Silicon Valley who are trying to do the right thing, who've said we need more prosecution of crime coming from the top levels of Silicon Valley companies. And one of these crimes uh, that got a little bit of prosecution, a little bit of notice, um, although the CEO, I believe, was not charged. Uh, my opinion is he probably should have been, uh, but it was the story of eBay. And this came up um, due to the email from, listen, I'm just going to say their name is Listener P. I'm not going to say their name. Uh, but Listener P uh, writes that they like the eBay story, quote, I get surveillance capitalism and I hate it, especially the Link NYC, which we cannot escape, which is those are the Google surveillance towers I've covered multiple times. P, P, P continues, but they took it to a whole nother level with the stalking, talking about eBay's stalking. Now, what happened was a few years ago, there's uh, this, the Steiners, this husband and wife team in Natick, Massachusetts, uh, had a website, uh, they may still have it, uh, that talked, that wrote about, wrote stories about the, the good and the bad of online commerce. And eBay was a frequent subject. Sometimes eBay did something good. Sometimes eBay did something bad, but eBay decided that they did not like any criticism from this rather obscure website in Natick, Massachusetts. And uh, this made it all the way up to the CEO. The CEO could not stand that his company, eBay, was being criticized by a husband and wife writing a website on the East Coast. And so they decided to do something about it. eBay leadership at the very, very top of the company decided to do something about it. And if you haven't heard this show, Go back after this and go back and listen to the whole show from June 22, 
2020. There's a link to it on the playlist so you can get to it easily. I'm just going to play you a little clip of it so you can see uh, what, uh, what listener P was referring to in recommending that we listen to this. Here it is, a little clip from the June 2022 20, 20 show about eBay. Here it is. Because of what transpired after this, uh, and it's now a matter of federal record, there is an investigation ongoing, which I'll get to, we now have the transcript of communications between these two guys. And I just want to read you the text that the CEO of eBay sent to his chief communications officer. Here's what the text said, and I'm not editing this. This is a verbatim read of what the text was. Quote, if we are ever going to take her down, now is the time. That was the CEO of eBay. And in response, because they're texting and emailing back and forth, Steve Weimer, the chief communications officer, writes back to his boss, the CEO. And Weimer says, quote, we are going to crush this lady. And then he writes, anything we can do to solve it should be explored, whatever it takes. And that's each of those three words with a period at the end. You know how people write that sometimes. Whatever it takes. Here, Weimer is showing emphasis that he is going to take the CEO's instructions and as, how did the CEO put it? Take her down. That's what Weimer is going to do. He's going to take her down, whatever it takes. And that commenced a multi-phase process where senior leadership at eBay planned and then carried out an ongoing campaign of harassment and intimidation against Ina Steiner and her husband. If you heard anything about the story, you probably heard just in the headlines that the eBay leadership began by mailing uh, horrifying or disgusting or scary or threatening items to Ina Steiner and her husband at their personal home in Natick, Massachusetts. So these included... And, 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 I, and I would <laughs> just want to underline again, this is for real. This is what eBay executives, some of the top executives in Silicon Valley, were spending their time actually physically sending to the Steiners at their personal house to intimidate them because the Steiners criticized Silicon Valley's operations. The eBay executives sent them fly larvae, live spiders, a Halloween mask that looks like a bloody pig's face. And just to put a not-too-fine point on it, the eBay executive sent the Steiners a funeral wreath, and they also sent a book on surviving the death of a spouse. The message here was inescapable. You know, much like we said, Apple is acting like a mafioso shaking down third-party developers who are just trying to do a good job. Here, eBay was sending uh, items related to death, a funeral wreath and the book about surviving the death of the spouse, basically saying, we are going to come out and we're going to get one of you. Now, they didn't sign these. They didn't say who these were from. But I think the Steiners had a decent idea because... <laughs> eBay was one company that they had recently criticized. It's not a particular mystery that Silicon Valley uh, oligarchs do not like being criticized, but I, I don't think anyone expected that eBay leadership would take it quite this far, um, except, of course, that the CEO had directed them to do this. So the Steiners are looking at this stuff. They're, I'm sure, feeling terrified and harassed and intimidated. And then the eBay executives put in the next phase of their plan. They get on a plane and they fly. And this, again, friends, I'm not making this up. eBay executives fly from Silicon Valley to the Boston airport and then drive out in a rental car to Natick, Massachusetts, onto the Steiner Street and park outside their house. And I'm going to clip that there because there's a good deal more to say about that story, but this is not an episode about eBay. But you can listen to that entire episode if you go to wfmu.org and find the archives and uh, go back 
to that June 22nd show from 2020. Uh, there's, I covered a bunch of stories in that. That was kind of a, a news roundup, but the eBay story was the main one from that uh, episode that people have talked about to me since. Um, and so thank you to listener P for pointing that out as, a, as an example of the egregious behavior that is, uh, friends, I got to tell you, is a lot more common than you would think uh, in Silicon Valley at the very highest levels of these companies. Uh, okay, let's move on. Speaking of surveillance, uh, someone on the, on the chat board was saying that they have gotten back into eBay recently and there's a lot more tracking than there used to be on eBay. And I, I don't think that is unique to eBay. I think that is across Silicon Valley. They are just doubling and tripling down on surveillance. And as I said earlier, surveillance has been a primary uh, enduring theme of this show. And one of the examples, because I, I like to localize this to New York and New Jersey, um, both because a lot of the listeners are from this geographic area, but also because this area is a leading indicator in a lot of ways for what's going to happen in the rest of the country and the world. So even if you don't live near New York City, you live elsewhere in the U.S. or you live in a different country, I still think it's relevant to talk about what we're facing here on the streets of, of Manhattan and, and elsewhere. And one of the things that always comes to mind as I walk on the street in Manhattan are these Google surveillance towers that are nine feet, eight or nine feet tall, uh, nine feet tall, I believe. They're called Link NYC, and they have three hidden cameras on them and a number of other sensors that have never been fully divulged to the public. And uh, they are feeding all kinds of data to back to Google headquarters and uh, on request, and we don't know what the conditions for request are, to law enforcement as well. Who knows if there uh, is some sort of packaging and analysis of the metadata that Google is making use of as well. Of course, Lincoln YC will deny all of this. No, 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 no. We're, we're very focused on privacy. Uh, the, we, we would never think of, of in, involving ourselves in surveillance capitalist business models, which is what pays the bills for our corporate parent, which is called Alphabet. Never, never. I'm shocked, shocked. Uh, so the, the most recent episode that I have uh, covered in the, in, the, in the sad, tawdry, failing, and, and really disturbing history of the Link NYC project is the, most, is the most recent launch, which is this thing called Link 5G. These are 32-foot-high towers. Uh, outside the U.S., that is almost 10 meters high. So it's between 9 and 10 meters high. There are these giant surveillance poles that, uh, that the company says, oh, don't worry, we're just providing free 5G access to everyone, nothing else. Uh, there, there is a camera, but it's, it's hardly ever on, and uh, there's definitely no other surveillance sensors in these things. N why would you even ask? And you can go back, and this is a recent show from August 22nd, go back and, and look at, just look at the playlist and see a photo of this thing uh, from the Bronx that's standing there right now, 10 meters high, and surveilling the neighborhood. Although that's not what the city says. The city says, oh, we, we, we work with unnamed partners. We, we're not going to tell you what Google's involvement is, and it may or may not have um, other surveillance going. But no, it's definitely not about surveillance. Well, from Hellgate, journalist Molly Osberg did a great job in covering the story, and I spoke with Molly just a couple of weeks ago. This is uh, from listener Steve, who writes, it's eye-opening, eye talking about tectonic, it's eye-opening, and it also seems sad, but I'm glad you continue to be a watchman on the wall for things like this. And I thank you, Steve, but really the credit goes to the journalists and authors, people like Molly Osberg, who are on the ground doing the research. I'm just happy to play a part spotlighting their excellent work. So here's Molly Osberg from August 22nd, uh, just a few weeks ago, talking about Link 5G. I mean, I just think that it's notable, and I did say this in the piece, that as of March 2020, the city was about to, the city of New York was thinking about taking legal action against City Bridge um, for defaulting on millions and millions of dollars of promised revenue to the city. And I think that the big question here, in addition to all of this surveillance stuff, is like, why on earth the city decided to completely reverse course and, you know, just sink even more resources into a project that had so phenomenally failed. 
Because of what and that's a real that's a really good question. Why why is the company still sinking money into a project that has failed so spectacularly that the the city just a few months ago was about to sue the company for breach of contract for not delivering any uh, any revenue anywhere near what they had promised. Well, uh, instead the city has again doubled and tripled down on this surveillance infrastructure, which is a pattern that we see everywhere. Even though people may not want it, there may not be uh, a, good, a good business case for it. Uh, there may be a, a string of failures in its wake. In, in previous iterations, both governments and companies seem determined to double down on this idea of launching and installing as much surveillance infrastructure as they can. And you know, the time to resist this stuff is as soon as it goes up. Once it gets fully installed, it's very difficult. It's like a rhizome. It's very difficult to remove this root system of parasitic surveillance infrastructure. So I'm hoping that there's a group out there that is beginning to look further into this, uh, using Molly Osberg's um, excellent journalism as a starting point. Why is the city using our tax money to pay for this failing project that is surveilling New York citizens. Why? Is, is, there, is there any public comment that the city has about this? And go back, I'm not going to play it now because this is not a show about Link 5G, but I'll just say I played on that episode on August 22nd a bit of the press conference, including the new mayor, Eric Adams, and his chief technology officer fielding a question, will these polls surveil New York citizens? And they're I'm just going to paraphrase. This is not an exact quote, but the, essentially just paraphrasing, their answer was, and that was about it. It's not very confidence-inspiring. I'll put it like that. Uh, let me go to a lighter topic, shall I? Um, something that is not so depressing but is actually kind of fun, but it's still about surveillance, keeping with the surveillance theme. I told you at the beginning of the show, by the way, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Tectonic on WFMU. My name is Mark Hurst, and we're going through some clips uh, of shows requested by listeners as their favorites over the past five years. Yes, we are celebrating the five-year anniversary of Tectonic this evening. And I reserved, as I said at the beginning of the show, one slot for myself. I hope that's okay. Uh, I'm a listener too, so I get one vote. <laughs> and I would like to play one of my favorites. I, I, and this is, this is a definite favorite of mine from the past five years. And it's something recent, but it has, this is a twist, this has never been played on Tectonic before. So this is a premiere for Tectonic. It's been played well, I, I, I take it back. It has been played on Tectonic, but not when I was hosting. There's your, there's your hint. I told you that DJ Scott Williams did a fantastic job of guest hosting Tectonic just a couple of weeks ago. And he played a song at the beginning of his show that I've been saving until the five-year anniversary because it's so special. Because putting this song together has been one of my favorite things. Uh, around Tectonic for the, f the past five years. I worked with Scott Williams, who really deserves the lion's share of the credit. He really put in a lot of work to make this, to make this song happen. What we did is we, we took a familiar song and we changed the lyrics a little bit so it was thematically uh, a, a thematic fit with Tectonic. And I also want to say uh, thanks to Greg from Zone 5, who's on the Comet board and has done such a great job of designing Tectonic logos and t-shirts over the years, including this year's uh, distracted cell phone user walking off of a cliff. And uh, also Matt Fiveash, who hosts the great Weekly World Blues, and Lily Wen uh, as well did the audio engineering on this down in Monty Hall. But especially I want to say thanks to Scott Williams who uh, helped write the lyrics and uh, put the put the uh, music together, put the band together, and sang with me. And so, with with that as quite a bit uh, of a lead up, let me play you this song that we're calling uh, the group we're calling Cymark and Scott Funkel. It's a song called "Sounds of Surveillance," and putting this song together was one of my favorite things of the last five years. And this is a premiere for a uh, hosted by me, 
Tectonic Show. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Hello, Siri, my old friend. You've come to spy on me again. Because the websites that I've been browsing Give you insight into my thinking Paranoia that you planted in my brain Still remains Within the sound of surveillance That was The Sounds of Surveillance by Cymark and Scott Funkel, with a great big thanks to Scott Williams, also Greg Harrison, Lily Wen, and Matt Fiveash for helping put that together. Uh, I was obviously singing the Paul Simon part, and uh, Scott Williams was singing the Art Garfunkel part, and it was a tremendous amount of fun, and one of my favorite things of the last five years on Tectonic and stay tuned, you know, because we're, we are talking about other things that we may be able to do along those lines. Uh, but thanks, thanks to Scott for helping me uh, put that together. We are going through some of the favorites of listeners, and that was my one vote that I got to have for the show. But let's get back to other listeners, some of their favorites from Tectonic over the past five years. And I want to play one of the audio pieces. This is from listener Catherine talking about her, uh, one of her, let me bring this up, one of her favorites uh, over the last five years. And it's a particular show when I was not interviewing a guest, but one of those sort of um, news roundups with with a particular theme. And in this case, it was 10 reasons to smash your smartphone. And here is what Catherine had to say about that show. Hi, Mark. This is your dedicated listener, Catherine M. And my preferred show was from September 20th, 2021, 10 Reasons to Smash Your Smartphone, which I found stirring, instructive, and absolutely hilarious. I listened to it several times. Thank you so much for your shows and keep them coming. Thank you so much, Catherine. And now let's go ahead and listen to a little bit of that show. And this, is, by the way, is going to be the stand-in for <laughs> all of the many rants I've had over the years. I know there's been a topic that we've talked about, to rant or not to rant. Well, this was one where I had to say something due to what had just come out about Instagram that week. So this is from the Smash Your Smartphone episode from September 20, 2021 
on Tectonic. I mean, you, you could ask, why is the Wall Street Journal running this as, as front page news when it's been known for a while? The reason is the Wall Street Journal reporters uncovered internal documents that showed Facebook leadership knows that Instagram is harmful. They know that it's harming teenage girls and they do it anyway because it's growth at any cost. It's profit above all else. There's one value there and it's money. And if it harms teenage girls, millions of them, that's fine. Keep it going. Smash your smartphone and get rid of Instagram. Okay, so, <laughs> so that was the idea in that 10 reasons to smash your smartphone. I played a, a giant explosion at the end of each one of those reasons. So that's kind of a fun show. Again, you can go to WFMU.org and go into the archives or go to tectonic.fm, T-E-C-H tonic.fm, or just go to the playlist of this evening's show. This is the September 12th, 2022 show, and the links are right there to each of these shows that I am running clips of. Thanks to listeners for pointing them out. Let's go next to longtime listener Herb.nyc, who had some nice words. Here is Herb. Hi, Mark. Congratulations on your five-year anniversary. You asked for what we like about Tectonic, and I'll keep it simple. It's your emphasis on reading and shopping. Not very tech-oriented, right? You remind us that there is so much joy and knowledge in books, magazines, and newspapers, and in walking into a bookstore and a library. May more seminary co-op bookstores bloom. And shopping, it should be fun, easy, and harmless. But Amazon has ruined the experience with its unsafe work conditions and imperialist tactics. Thanks for talking about these and more, Mark. It is very much appreciated. Thank you so much, Herb.NYC. Again, we are hearing from listeners who chose a favorite over the past five years as we're having a listener-led celebration of Tectonic's five-year anniversary this evening. Um, let's go to Rolly in Queensland, Australia, who had a nice message. Not a particular show, but a, a, very, nice, a very nice message from Australia. Here's Rolly. Good evening, everyone. This is Rolly from Queensland, Australia, a regular Tectonic listener. What I appreciate is the consistency and dedication with which Mark shares his knowledge and enlightenment. Thank you, Mark, for all the good times on the Tectonic radio show. Stay well, pal, and keep up the good work. Thank you, Roly. It's great to have listeners all over the world, including in Australia. And uh, yes, you have been on the comment board many times, and I appreciate that. For anyone who is listening, either live or in the future, who's not familiar with the comment board, this is one of the great aspects of WFMU. Every show has a live comment board. Uh, it's not algorithmically determined. There's no hidden uh, nudges to get people to start fighting. It, it's, it's just a nice community of good people who are enjoying the music. And, and often the conversations go off on tangents. And it feels like it's, it's a real community of, of people sitting and getting to know each other and catching up as they're listening to music or, or in this case, talk and, and or rants. <laughs> um, so thanks to Rolly for being part of that. And the comment board is still on for this evening's show. It's at WFMU.org. Click playlist and comments. Uh, for a text-only submission, we got a nice, speaking of longtime listeners, we got a nice note from Handy Haversack, who's also on this evening. Hello, Handy. And uh, Handy writes, one moment does stick out because WFMU is, first of all, a place for music and music lovers. So here Handy is saying he doesn't have one particular tectonic episode, but he does think of one uh, WFMU moment that has to do with tectonic. He continues, when the news broke about Bandcamp's acquisition by Chinese venture capitalists, and you first posted a comment on, and then were brought in to speak to listeners on Evan Funk Davies' show, which, uh, friends, you, you should know about this. And longtime Evan Funk Davies 
listeners and fans know that he has a section of his show where he plays an air horn. And I don't have an air horn here, but air, air, air. All of you should be listening to EFD's show. It's on Wednesdays from 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern. It's a great show. I've loved this show for years. Anyway, when let me get back to Handy Haversack. Quote, that was the perfect expression of Tectonic and WFMU as a service and guardian of its listeners, able to address immediate and important concerns and provide a voice that continues to question the verities that we're supposed to merely accept, accede to, pay for, and submit our lives to. Well said, Handy. And so what happened there was, as Handy said, the day the news broke that Bandcamp was being bought by this Chinese company, uh, Evan went on, he had a mic break, he went on air and said something about this, and I chimed in on the comment board, speaking of the comment board, and said that I was not happy with this, and uh, Evan put me on air, you know, three minutes later, and we had a, a spot interview right there, live on live radio, about news that was just breaking, and of course, it was a real honor for me to be on Evan's show, but it, I thought it was, it, 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 I agree with Handy, this, this is the, the ethic of WFMU, that we have a community, and we're responding to what's really happening in the world, uh, people are really engaged with important topics, like what's going to happen to Bandcamp. <laughs> um, I am, as longtime listeners know, I'm no fan of Spotify or the other streaming services. I was a fan of Bandcamp, and oh, go back and listen. I did a. You can listen to that interview that I did with Evan, or uh, the the uh, interview. I did not long ago about Bandcamp here on Tectonic itself, and the the long and short of it is, it's uh, it's going pretty well so far. So we'll see. So I still use Bandcamp, but I've got an eye on it. Uh, finally, I want to play one last clip, and this is from uh, DJ Paradox's favorite show, which he has said for years is his favorite show. And it is a show, it was one of the first few episodes, I think it was number seven or something. It was in the fall of 2017. It was about five years ago. And I had a, uh, I had a show um, about, about uh, Jolly Roger Telephone Company. I was interviewing its founder, this guy named Roger Anderson. And what this company did, and I think it still does, is that when telemarketers call, you can put a, a, a live voice chatbot on the line to talk to the telemarketer. And then you can just put, put your phone on, on mute or something and let the bot do the work of wasting the time of the telemarketer. And the footage you can then share with Jolly Roger. And then uh, this company will publish some of the funnier excerpts. So anyway, this is one of those examples. A telemarketer calls someone's phone and they put on this, this voice bot that I think is actually voiced by Roger Anderson himself, but it's, it's all automated. There, there's, no, um, there's, no, <laughs> there's no person uh, speaking really to the telemarketer. And the telemarketer is not aware that they are speaking to a robot, essentially. I find this very amusing. Uh, and you can go back and listen to other excerpts from the October 23rd, 2017 show. But let's listen to this one. This is called uh, Sharon, the Google Specialist. Hello. Hi, this is Sharon, your local Google Specialist. We have a front page... Wait, is this a real person? ...business like yours and can guarantee front page placement with unlimited... Hello. Your call is being transferred to an account specialist now and may be monitored and Hello. recorded for quality assurance and training purposes. Hello. Uh, thank you for holding this. Kevin, can I get started with your first name, please? Hello. Yes, hello. How are you doing today? Yes. Yes, uh, would you like to have your business listed on the front result page of Google, Yahoo, and Bing? Yeah. Great. Um, and I'm, I'm speaking to a business owner, correct? Yeah. And I didn't get your name. Okay, so I just woke up from a nap, and I'm kind of groggy. So can you maybe start over a little slower? I'm sorry. No, I was saying, did you want your, to have your business listed on the front result page of Google, Yahoo, and Bing? Uh-huh. Okay, and are you looking for local or national exposure? Yeah. Are you looking for local or national? Yeah. Yeah, what? Uh-huh. Which one, which one is it? Local or national? 
you know what? I was just finishing up an email and I missed that part. Can you say that again? Would you like to have your business listed on the front result page of Google, Yahoo, and Bing? Right. Right. Excuse me? Yes. Yes. Oh, hang on. There's a B on me. Hang on. There's a B on my arm. Okay. Um, you keep talking, but I'm going to stay quiet because this B is freaking me out. Go ahead. Are you looking for local or national exposure? Uh-huh. So, so which one? Local or national? Yeah. So local or national? Yeah. Okay, it's still Which in my arm. It? It's just crawling around, but it's not upset, I guess, but I'm afraid to touch it. So you keep talking. I'm just going to stay quiet. Well, I just need to ask you a few questions before we even get into it, and then I'll start talking. Uh-huh. So did you want local or national exposure, sir? Uh-huh. Okay, it's gone. Um, so the B is gone, and I was not really listening during that part. So when the B was on my arm, I uh, guess I wasn't really listening to you. Can you start over during the B thing? What was that? Are you looking for local or national exposure? Mm-hmm. Which one is it? Is is there a bear on top of you now? Uh-huh. Is there a bear on you now? Oh, yes! Did you see that? Oh, man, are you that's watching rough. the game? No, you're probably not watching the game. I don't even know where you are. McAllister just scored. I think that's it for the game. Anyway, sorry. Go, go ahead. I'm listening now. <laughs> you have a great day, sir, okay? I think you're having too much fun with yourself right now. Yeah. Okay, have a great day. <laughs> okay. Well, have a great day. Uh, I just, I love that clip from Jolly Roger because the telemarketer was having fun too. I mean, at some point he knew his time was being wasted, but he, it, it's not clear that he ever figured out it was a robot, but he was, he was playing along by the end. You know, is, is there a bear with you too? So um, everybody wins. The telemarketer's time is wasted, and yet he has a good time at the, at the same time. Uh, thanks to DJ Paradox for suggesting that show from October 23rd, 2017 as his favorite along, along the way of these five years of Tectonic that we are celebrating this evening. And um, before I go into the final outro song, I just want to say to Jim Price, where is my free snowblower? Where is it? I mean, he said he was going to send me a free snowblower. Sorry. If you've been listening since this afternoon, you know that Jim Price, who does uh, this, this great one-minute show uh, on Wednesdays from 3 p.m. to 3.01 p.m. before Olivia uh, takes over for Radio Ravioli, today Jim Price was playing his side of a conversation that uh, purportedly he had with me over the phone as I was complaining about being taken in by a Nigerian email scam and uh, that I am still in search of a free snowblower that the scammer promised me. Uh, see, that's why I needed Jolly Roger, the email version, to waste that scammer's time rather than getting roped in. But I still would like that free snowblower. Actually, I don't want a snowblower. It's all a joke. But that's, the <laughs> that's what's so great about WFMU. You never know where it's going to go next because this is not scripted. And this is authentic. It's real. It's a community. This place is, is, is not driven by gr the growth at any cost ethic that we get from the giants out in Silicon Valley. And you may say, well, what, why, why, Mark, do you continue this show? This, it's a rather small station. And compared to some of these celebrity podcasts, these big technology podcasts, I mean, you just have a, 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 a tiny fraction of the audience. And I say, I never got into this for any kind of quantity, any kind of competition with those, those big boosters who are doing these, these uh, press release podcasts for these tech companies. I did this to be a part of this great community. And what a privilege it has been for five years to be here with you. And I want to say thanks to all of you, the listeners, for your encouragement and your support over the years. Thanks to station manager Ken Friedman, 
for bringing me on the air five years ago. Thanks to DJ Erwin Chusett for being the first person to suggest to me that I might look into uh, having a show. Thanks to uh, Ruth Hayda, Ruth in the booth, for helping so much during the pandemic. Oh, that was a tough time, and Ruth was, was a lifesaver for all of us, really, all of us, DJs and hosts. And, um, and, and again, thanks to all of you who have listened over the years. And I hope, I just hope I can continue to, uh, to do a good job and tell you the truth. And that's all I'm trying to do is tell you the truth about how technology is affecting us these days. And uh, that's, that's really the goal of this show and has been for five years and will continue for the however long I stay on. And it looks like it's going to be for at least nine more months. This is a really important project that we're all a part of trying to tell the truth about the biggest, most powerful companies in the world. There's so few places where we can hear the truth and discuss the truth and hold these companies to account. And I only hope that we can grow this, not in some quantitative size, but in the quality of the community and the message so that we can get through this together. You've been listening to the greatest radio station in the world, WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope in New York City and Rockland County at 91.9 FM and online at WFMU.org. Until next time, friends, you know what to do. Avoid Amazon and Apple. Forget Facebook. And whatever you do, get off Google. Stay tuned for Dust on the Decks with Derek here on WFMU. Derek Peter, bringing you dust on the decks. Old time, country, Americana, folk, 
and beyond. You just heard Bobby McMillan. I'm sorry to say we lost Bobby recently. He passed away November 28th at the age of 69. Bobby was a resident of CeeLo, North Carolina, and was a tale teller, singer, educator, tradition bearer, and good friend. What I liked about Bobby so much is that even though he was such a performer and had learned so many of these songs through oral tradition, he was also just as much of a ballad nerd as me and was always emailing me, asking me to get him this or that song out of this or that repository. So it's a heavy heart today that I begin our show. That was Bobby doing a song that he composed the melody to, but he had gotten the text from J.R.L. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings books. So anytime that there was a song in those Lord of the Rings books from Tolkien, he would look at the text and make up a melody and sing it for himself. Uh, And that was one that I recorded in May of 2021 when I had my last visit with Bobby. Uh, We've got some more Bobby coming up, some older recordings of him that have come out on compilations. This is him doing a song I like called Locks and Bolts. After that, we've got him doing Darby's Ram. Here we go. But when I woke, it was a joke. I was forced to lie without her. Her yellow hair, like streams of gold, was lying on the pillow. She's the prettiest thing. I love her so well. I'll follow the railroad after. I followed on to her uncle's house. Inquiring of such a fair one, they answered, Sir, there's no such here. And why do you inquire about her? But when she heard her true love's voice, she hastened to the window, says, I freely would come to you, my love. But the locks and the bolts do hinder As I stood there all in amaze All in those pains and humors My patience flew, my sword I drew And quickly I went to her I taken her by her lily white hand I led her over hills and valleys Think of all young men who love like me. Take one and fight the other. I'm going to sing you just a little bit of one that uh, that I learned from uh, uh, Granny Dale over in uh, Madison and Uncle Cas Wallen. Uh, don't know, don't remember exactly where they learned it. Uh, uh, growing up over the years, but uh, back in uh, the early days of this century, there were a lot of logging going on, and uh, a lot of times folks would uh, be gone off for uh, months at a time and come back, and they'd be singing new songs, and the people in the community would learn them along with the ones that uh, they'd had passed along. And uh, I'm not sure exactly where this and come from, but uh, they used to sing uh, this, if I can get in the right key of it. As I went down to Darby, all on one market day, there I spied the biggest ram that ever were fed on hay. To my fa, to my fa, diddle day. Now the wool on this ram's back, it were so very high. The eagles built their nest in it, for I heard the young ones cry. To my fa. To my fa-diddle day. Now the wool on this ram's belly, it growed down to the ground. The devil cut it off and he made himself a gown. To my fa, to my fa-diddle day. Now this ram's head were as big as Noah's ark. 
A dog run up its nostrils and turned around and barked to my fa, to my fa, diddle day. Now this ram had four feet, four feet on which to stand. When it set them on the ground, they measured a mile around to my fa, to my fa, diddle day. Now this ram had its horns that Wretch up to the moon. A man went up in January and didn't get back till June. To my far, to my far, diddle day. Now this ram's horns, they grew so fur apart. It took a crow a month or two to fly from horn to horn. To my far, to my far, diddle day. Now this ram had a tooth that were holler as a horn, and when they took the measure, it held a barrel of corn to my far, to my far, diddle day. Now the man who cut this ram's throat, he stood knee deep in blood, and the man that helped the vessel got washed away in the flood to my far. To my fa-diddle day. Now the blood from this ram, sir, run forty miles or more. It turned 